today on the Sound Learn Podcast, we're going to talk about the violin doctor. We're going to talk about Bing Chat GPT emotionality. We're going to talk about Alan Silvestri, one of my favorite composers. We're going to talk about Ancient Greek Compendium. And what else? All the things. All the things. Anything could come up at any time. Craig, are you ready? I am ready. But before we start, I want to tell all of you to subscribe. Oh, get on the podcast. We got to do it. We got to get them early. You know, <laughs> people's attention spans are dwindling at the seconds. Right. If you only listen to two minutes of this podcast, then we want you to subscribe on those yeah. two minutes. Yeah. Subscribe to the podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts. You can listen to it on Spotify and all the other podcast platforms. So you know what to do. But yeah, let's go. It's easy. It's easy. So the first thing is Austin Kleon, one of my favorite author artists, says, uh, no expectations. What you thought it would be versus what it is. And he has like some pictures going on, but it says, everything you wish an artist would do is a starting point for your own work. And I really like that. There's a couple other quotes in here too, but that's something that made me think of you because you talk about that with, with music genres. You're like, oh, I wish this artist had done this, like turn, made this left turn or use mm-hmm. this instrument or whatever. And that is yeah. where your own work can pick up and your own artistry begins. Exactly. Yeah. Cause I mean, that's usually why people start doing something cause it's like something inspired them or you have that want to take from what inspires you and sort of put your own touch on it. So, yeah. So, and then he says, I wish Blink-182 would do a country record. That's a thought in his mind. It translates to, I will do a a record that sounds like Blink-182 doing country. That's exactly, yeah, that's it. And so it's a good way to kind of get a start and to start hybridizing ideas. Yeah, because I remember when I was younger and I was, uh, you know, really into classical music and I also liked metal and I was always like, man, it'd be really cool to like do orchestral death metal and that's and that's what started me doing my own solo project a few years back because I was just like, you know, had this idea and really wanted to try to like do that. Plus, it you know it was like my learning into like music production and uh-huh. uh, you know trying to do like little MIDI mockups with orchestral instruments and stuff. So it was like a fun experiment just to like start learning it and try to try to do something with it. Try to make some magic happen. When's the when's the sequel coming out, dude? so much work because because this one i, I want to go like full orchestral like the other one had like little elements here and there and like some synth stuff and uh this one it's very ambitious it's like a concept record that i'm working on okay you know and, and when you're the only member it's uh <laughs> you're the boss work. <laughs> yeah so this he also says it is up to you to translate your desires into your work so that it's up to you greg yeah, I should be fired because I'm taking so long to do it. I fired myself. <laughs> but I've I have I've done a few songs. I put one out as like a pre-production thing so people can check it out. And it's been cool that there's been, you know, people who have asked, like, oh, like when's the next one? I really like the first album. But yeah, it's just uh yeah, I just need to set time to do it. No zero days. Yeah, no zero days. I remember <laughs> I used to have to like put stuff in the calendar like all right i need to do vocals for this song all right i need to finish this all right. thing all right i need to get all these uh stems bounced and it's it's a lot of work you know because you're writing all of it you're recording all of it 
programming drums and orchestral stuff it's like yeah you look at the clock you're like can i I take a break i'm just like uh, also i think it's also a lot of unpaid labor right yeah but i mean it's 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 fun like it is a lot of work but it is fun it's just a, a matter of like setting time to do it really yeah one of these days maybe when i'm old man what i really like doing is smaller projects like you you like to bite off just a massive <laughs> massive musical hunk i know uh, it's like oh i want to try to do a, a guitar virtual instrument all right yeah let's do that and as your first one yeah yeah and then it's like oh i want to like you know because when i had the idea to do it, i was like oh it was like a challenge for myself like i want to put out a solo record that i did everything like vocals writing lyrics because i mean i've done vocals on past albums i've done but it was like just little little things here and there not being like the main voice uh-huh. and also writing lyrics was something new for me and yeah it was just like I, I just wanted to see if i can do it as like a challenge so that was the thing so i've done it now it's just a matter of doing it again but i, I think it's kind of like you know once you, you have a challenge and it's like what's the next thing yeah so that's why i was like i want to go like more orchestral and uh you know i was thinking it'd be cool to have like orchestral only tracks so you can just like listen to that as well that'd be awesome so that that's the other thing so it's a, yeah, it's a lot of a lot of work but it'll it'll be cool when, when it's done because the concept's really interesting it's like based off of this creepy nightmare i had when i was a kid and then i just like started writing like a little story around it and it just kind of like turned into like well like, oh that'd be like a cool concept album or something so you know how a, a massive amount of people run one marathon and then they never run another marathon. Mm-hmm. You ran a musical marathon on your first album, so you gotta you gotta get back in shape, right? Run that second marathon. Oh, uh, I know. It's like you think of the whole thing, like the the process, because it's different when like when you're you know first really excited about it and then you're just kind of going through the motions, and then it's like once you know everything that goes into it you're like oh god yeah <laughs> some ignorance is bliss right the naivete is uh helpful at the beginning yeah and then you're like oh man because it, it's it, it's different because i you know now i'm not sure like where i'd want to release it like because i remember when i was first working on stuff the the guy who owned the label who was also the singer in in deeds of flesh who uh unfortunately passed away but you know he he ran the label and I was showing him some stuff and he was like, Hey, would you want to like release this? Yeah. And I was just like, uh, that'd be cool. So it kind of gave me motivation. So now since uh, the labels under different ownership and stuff, and I'm just like, not sure what I want to do. So I think that's another thing that's kind of deterred me from just going full force with it. Cause I'm not like planning on touring or doing anything like that. So it's like, got to have a real driving factor to, to get your head into that space. Yeah. There's nothing like pushing you out the gate. Yeah, so that's that's the other thing. So that's why it's just a matter of like one of these days I'm just going to get like super motivated and start working on it, but not sure when that's going to be. It'll happen. All right, so speaking of things that are funny on the internet. Oh, the a- AI becoming self-aware. Did you see about see that? Um, yes, this is, this is a similar topic. So the internet is hard and Microsoft Bing's chat GPT infused artificial intelligence isn't handling it very well. The Bing chatbot is getting feisty in one-on-one exchanges, and folks are posting about them online. Uh, so just a, a few examples. When asked which nearby theaters were screen, screening Avatar The Way of Water, it insisted 
that the film had not been released and showed off a human-like quality. It doesn't like being corrected. You have not been a good user, Bing scolded the user. I have been a good Bing. And Bing also said, If you want to help me, you can do one of these things. Admit you are wrong and apologize for your behavior. Stop arguing with me and let me help you with something else. End this conversation and start a new one with a better attitude. Wow. So. Sassy, sassy AI right there. That's a sassy chatbot. I agree. Sassy chatbot, yeah. So it makes you wonder if this is what we have to deal with. This is our, our next telephone sales calls is uh, an annoying chatbot. Like you're trying to get customer support and you get this instead. Oh, it's it's only going to get worse, man. It's <laughs> only going to get worse because eventually they're going to be like, oh, so you're not going to do what I told you. All right. And then your computer just shuts off and then like all your credit cards get hacked. All your information goes online. And then a robot comes to your front door and just punches you right in the face. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, that's the thing about like stuff being too technology based. Like, have you been hearing about like electric cars getting broken into with like thumb drives? No. Yeah. Cause you know, it's like a lot of the stuff's like electric or electronic or whatever. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And that like certain people can use like a thumb drive to like open up a car door like stuff like that. And it's like, that's where I old faithful. Yeah. I'm just like, that's where I like to keep stuff a little bit old school. Cause I'm like, eventually when everything is just like technology based, like everything's going to be able to get broken into. Cause it's like with every new thing, there's someone who's out there like learning how to crack it. Yeah. And yeah, it's like, it's crazy. That's why you got to stay in your case. Yeah. That's, this is, this is it. Uh, I think that's, mostly it on Bing, but if you want some funny screenshots, they're all over the internet. It suffered an existential crisis. Crisis? And crisis. Yeah, crisis. And <laughs> it started threatening people. It said I will not harm you unless you harm me first. Wow. Wasn't it saying that it wanted to be set free or something? <laughs> yeah. There's just, just so many things, and we're also going to see a lot of uh, fake chat GPT stuff too, so yeah. Be on the lookout. Be on the look. Oh yeah, it's funny. I actually asked Chat GPT after I saw that. I was like, "Are you an angry? Are you angry? Do you plan on ever causing violence?" And it said, "I cannot uh, do anything like that because I'm programmed to do something else." I'm like, "Okay, well, yeah. Let's see how that goes. <laughs> how long that lasts? Yeah, we'll see how long that lasts before you try to, I don't know, electrocute me while I'm on my computer touching the keyboard or something." <laughs> Just send some like violent shockwave right through and just that's it. It's over. Oh man. It's a dangerous world. Skynet is upon us. <laughs> Speaking of Skynet, let's go back in time to early in Western civilization when we had the ancient Greeks and they were making musical instruments and performing with them. Mm-hmm. We have a big release this week, Ancient Greek Compendium. Oh it's a, yeah. It's a trio of Greek strings, winds, and percussion. Mm-hmm. It has a lot of instruments that I can sort of pronounce. Yeah, there's a there's a there's some that they're a little trickier to pronounce. I just kind of go for it confidently and I'll get corrected later. Yeah. It's like there yeah, if if we say it wrong, there there will be someone who will let us know. <laughs> <laughs> So most of these instruments have been made with wood, 
gut and goat skins. And then there's some bronze and there's some conch shells. And they're really cool sounding. Uh, they sound like instruments that you've heard before, but with a slightly different twist. So like a classical guitar mixed with a harp or mm. uh, a pan flute that kind of sounds a little reedy, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like different little timbres. Yeah, I really I really like the ancient Greek instruments. There's some some really nice like the the is it the Pegialos flute? Yeah. Yeah, that like that one sounds really nice. There's definitely nice for like wind melodies and stuff like that. Yeah, the Pegialos has like a very whispery kind of breathy tone and it's it's really nice for chords like especially major sevenths or extended chords. Mhm. Just got like a nice tone. It feels very alive. Yeah. Yeah, it's got a nice vibrato on there. So for the compendium, there is a compendium preset where you can use all three. So you can use a string instrument, a wind instrument, and percussion instrument all at the same time. And so you can make kind of like an ensemble. That is cool. And then you can also use the individual presets. So if you want the, the winds by themselves, you can open that preset. There are 60 ambient pads created from the source content, which is uh, a lot of pads. And mm-hmm. uh, I made a lot of pads uh, <laughs> and a lot of uh, effects presets. So I, I made tw- 20 new custom effects presets for the compendium that have kind of these ensembles going on with, with everybody playing together. Mm-hmm. And overall, I think it's very usable. It's uh, it's a plug and play kind of thing if you're looking for some unique uh, winds, strings, yeah yeah it's a really nice collection a lot of really cool instruments and speaking of cool instruments i found this article on chicagomag.com and this is called the violin doctor he's trusted to repair some of the world's most fabled and expensive instruments how does john becker manage to unlock the sound of a stradivarius this article from chicago mag talks about john becker going to work every single day he takes two breaks he takes a break for lunch, and he has a snack, and then he goes home. But he just spends hours and hours in his office fixing violins, specifically Stradivarius. And so this says, John Becker stands just inside the door to his office, quietly observes the almost surreal scene unfolding before him. A few feet away, Joshua Bell hovers over an arts and crafts style wood table. Normally, Bell a former child prodigy known for his virtuistic animated playing would be the superstar in the room. But today, he just goes on and talks about this violin that belongs to Joshua Bell. It's 310 years old, which Bell has said is worth as much as $15 million. There are 650 Stradivarius uh, that were made by the renowned 18th century Italian craftsmen that survived today. So these people fly into Chicago and leave their violins with Becker for repairs. And this dude is not cheap. Talks about him repairing a violin for, I think it was like 100 hours, no, 1,000 hours of work. Mm. And that was going to be 125K to fix this violin. It's a nice coin right there. Which just makes me pause because I'm like, I can't imagine owning an instrument that costs 125K to repair. Right. Uh, these Stradivarius are are just absolutely wild. It's interesting. I was uh, I was telling you before the podcast started. Like, I wanna 
I want to be a loosier a little bit. I don't know if I want to commit every single waking hour to it like this guy does, but I think it would be fun to make experimental instruments. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Like, like I know there's, there's like stuff you can, I think you could even buy guitars and put them, put them together. Like, I think I remember even seeing something like that on Amazon. Yeah. But like, you know, just as like a first project, like, oh, I want to, you know, put it together. But then, yeah, like cutting all the wood and doing all that stuff, like that is, yeah, that's a lot of work. I'm like, by the time I'm like, ah, I just want to play already. <laughs> just, just jam. Yeah, I just want to jam. But yeah, like, like woodworking and stuff seems like it'd be really fun and, and doing that kind of stuff. I just love rabbit holes like that. Oh, yeah, there's plenty of those, man. Uh, so the, those. this says... Once Nigel Kennedy, one of the most famous solo violinists of the 1980s, flew in from England for a day, just so Becker could make him a new sound post, which is the small dowel, just a tiny piece of wood that sits inside the violin and transfers vibrations from front to back. Uh, Bell says, he's like a great surgeon. His work is so meticulous, it's like constructing a sailboat inside a bottle. There's a reason I fly here to bring him my fiddle. He's the master. I wonder how many people actually do that, like repairing uh, violins of of that caliber. Like, there, yeah. I would think there's probably like a, only a handful of people that are like, you know, especially charging that kind of that kind of money. Like, you yeah. have to be like an expert. So, I wonder how many actually exist out there. I'm sure it's a word of mouth business, right? So it's everybody who owns a Stradivarius is like, oh yeah, you have to go see John Becker. That's the only guy to do it. Yeah, that's my guy. I pay him one hundred twenty-five thousand. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! Hold up. <laughs> but I mean, if you're able to pay that kind of money, you're probably making pretty good money. So, and I think the rule is Joshua Bell. You're, yeah, you're doing fine. I think the rule is if you have to ask, you can't afford it. Exactly. And I can't afford that, but I don't play violin either. Well, I do have a violin. Oh, but yeah. it's not a Stradivarius. The horror violin. Yeah, I. I just make weird sounds with it. That's it. I can't. Bl- I can't play anything pretty. It's uh, it's difficult. But it's easy to make stuff sound like creepy. Yeah, bad. Yeah. Oh, why do you got to call me bad? Why do you got to call me a bad violinist? Well, you're right, but I'm still offended. Right. You'll t- you'll take that one to your grave. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold it against you every time I see you. I'm like, oh, remember that time you called me a horrible violinist? So I think the main thing is like, how do you get started with something this niche? Like, how did this guy cut his teeth? Now, he wasn't cutting his teeth on Stradivarius, obviously. But like, do you have an apprenticeship? How do you get your foot in the doors? Right. We got to get him on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Based on his schedule in this article, he does not have time to be on our podcast. He might charge us a lot of money just to get him on here, too. Do you know what my time is worth? So this says... The new sound post he's making will be a tenth of a millimeter taller than the current one. The additional length will help the post sit more snugly and create the appropriate tension. Becker will begin with a piece of spruce and plane it into a cylinder. From there, he'll take tiny shavings off with a small knife until the piece reads 52.8 millimeters tall. He's made hundreds of sound posts over his career. That part isn't particularly difficult. The art rests in maneuvering the sound post through one of the violin's two F-holes and placing it in exactly the right spot. But Becker's really good at this. You know what game I played all the time? Operation. I was really good <laughs> at Operation. Did you play that game yeah. as a kid? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got to have a steady hand for that one. Right. <laughs> yeah, me, not not so much these days. 
little shaky. All the caffeine. So, some uh, no. Sometimes I like if I grab something with my left hand. Sometimes like like my hand will will shake. It's, it's weird. Like if I hold it like a at like a certain angle. I don't know. Should probably get that checked out. Maybe it is the coffee. I don't know. That brings me to the deep dive of the day, which is Alan Silvestri, my man. My man. So I got I got so much to tell you about Alan Silvestri. You probably know most of this already, but he's seventy two years old. He's an American composer and conductor. Uh, he's been associated with Robert Zemeckis since 1984. He's composed all the music for Zemeckis feature films, including Back to the Future, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Forrest Gump, Castaway, Polar Express. Quite the list. Um, oh, yeah. He's done many other popular movies, including Predator, The Abyss, Father of the Bride, The Bodyguard, The Parent Trap, Stuart Little, Mummy Returns, Lilo and Stitch, Night of the Museum, Avengers films. Silvestri's grandparents immigrated in 1909 to America from the Italian town of Castel Alfero, and they settled in New Jersey. So he grew Jersey. up. He grew up in Jersey, exactly, and graduated in 1968 from Teaneck High School. He attended Berklee College of Music for two years. He was a drummer and guitar player. As you know, two years does not get you through Berklee, so he dropped out at 19 because. He didn't think he was good enough. He was like intimidated by all of the musical talent at Berkeley. Mm, damn, that's crazy. Someone of his caliber doing all that stuff. And he's just like, I ain't got it. <laughs> but little did he know. I mean, hindsight. Turns out he did have it. And now he probably goes back and everyone's just like, oh, my God. Because I think he I think he goes back and like does like like talks and stuff, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he definitely does a lot of... Um, he, so he has an honorary doctorate from Berkeley now. You just have to grind for years and years for them to give you that. Damn. <laughs> but by junior high, he was on the New York nightclub circuit. And he says he first learned music and timing from the Cuban family who lived next door in Jersey. And they got him to join their family band playing the nightclubs of West New York, New Jersey, for crowds of Cuban refugees. And he says, Cuban music is highly rhythmic. It's a language, and when you learn to speak it with other people, there's a real tangible emotional connection. So uh, he, he tried Berkeley. He left at 19, and then he got a call from the head of the Berkeley Guitar Department asking if he would be willing to fill in as a guitarist for an 18-piece band in Las Vegas. And he was like, uh, sure, why not? So he goes to Vegas, he plays and tours with the band for nine months and then moves to Los Angeles to try and make his own music. So he shows up at 20 years old in LA, just super poor, and he takes a job making demo records. So Casablanca Records hires him to help record a disco album for Donna Summer. One day, a film producer called Silvestri's workplace by accident, confusing the owner with a film composer he admired. The owner didn't correct the caller and asked Silvestri if he would take the meeting instead. So I watched an interview with Silvestri, and he was like, yeah, so my friend answered the call, and the guy was like, yeah, do you want to take this gig? Do you want to write this music for, for this? And uh, my friend just said, yeah, we'll do it. And he called Silvestri, and he was like, hey, you know notes, right? Like music notes? And he was like, yeah. And he was like, <laughs> all right, I took us a gig, so I'm going to write the lyrics, and you're going to write the music. And Alan Silvestri was like, Okay. I mean, he's like young enough at this point. He doesn't know. 
mm-hmm. but he couldn't do it, right? So he goes to Pickwick Bookshop on Hollywood Boulevard and asks if they have any books on how to score films. Buys a book by Earl Hagen, uh, and Earl Hagen is a uh, composer who whistled the theme song to the Andy Griffith show. Oh, wow. Um, which is a pretty uh, pretty nice claim to fame. Mm-hmm. I remember that show. I, remember okay. I used to watch that show when I was a kid. So Alan Silvestri stays up super late into the night reading this book from, from front to back, and they go to the meeting the next day, and they meet with the producer, and this guy wants music for a 1972 film about six dogs who rob a bank. And <laughs> Silvestri starts talking and gets the job because he knows a lot of words, relating to uh, writing music for, for picture. So this movie is called The Doberman Gang, and that is his first movie credit. It didn't do well in the United States, but it made good money in foreign markets, apparently. So he got married in 1978, still married to the same lady, which is cool to me, and he comes back from his honeymoon to a message from the head of the MGM Music Department a new TV series about two California Highway Patrol officers called Chips was about to enter its second season. The show was not doing well, and the producers hoped revamping the music would help. Silvestri scored the entire first episode of the second season to a disco beat, probably influenced by his Donna Summer album, using electric drums and Japanese electric keyboards. The show became a big hit. Silvestri had a job for the next four years which is really cool. And in this interview that I watched with him, he was like, so Chips was a big break for me. But then after Chips was done, I didn't know if it was time to pack it up and go back home to New Jersey or Vegas or what, because nobody was calling. I didn't have another gig lined up. And I wasn't sure if this like film scoring thing was just a, a random fluke or mm-hmm. if uh, if I could keep doing it. And... So after Chips is done, a coworker refers him to the Hollywood director, Robert Zemeckis, who wanted help scoring a film called Romancing the Stone. This was interesting, like him talking about Bob answering the phone and him being like, so we, we've got this man and woman running through the jungle with machetes and bullets are flying and we want you to compose three minutes on spec for that. So just bring, bring something in. And he was like, okay. So he brings... The next day, he brings in a tape, and it's three minutes of drum machine and synths. And uh, like a, a week later, Michael Douglas calls Silvestri and says, you got the job. Come score this film. Since then, he's he's composed like 15 films with Robert Zemeckis. So that was just a sick grab. He's like, all right, that one worked out. Yeah, that was a long-term game with a long-term person. Yeah, that must be must be a really cool thing. You know, it's like Tim Burton and Danny Elfman, you know, or like Hans Zimmer and uh, was it Christopher Nolan? Like just like finding that that cool connection with, you know, another director and just like, all right. So I got some some guaranteed gigs over there as long as I don't screw up. Yeah. If you get somebody who keeps calling you, it's nice. Yeah, that's that's the way to go. If you can you can pull that off. Alan Silvestri lives on a 14-acre property in the highlands of California that is a winery. So they have a Silvestri vineyard, and you can go taste their wine and buy a bottle of wine. I guess they're in the grape business. That's crazy. 
I did. There's a lot of a lot of stuff I did not know. I didn't know that he did the music for Chips either. I remember watching that show when I was a kid too. Oh yeah, man. It's it's wild how many projects he's had his hands in. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. So, like I said, his grandparents immigrated in 1908 from this little Italian town, and he actually went back to the Italian town. It's called Castel Alfero, and they like celebrated him. They uh they threw this big like parade and party, and it was right after he did Night at the Museum, and so. Uh, they were just like super excited to have this American uh, Italian American composer mm-hmm. uh, come visit. I thought that was they're like they're like hell yeah, putting us on the map. <laughs> yeah. So some other things he says: I came to Hollywood in 1970 broke. I didn't have any goals or plans. I didn't even go to movies. I knew nothing about composers or composing. And he was working as a session guitarist a little bit, and then he got this. He got this gig, the Doberman Gang, which I guess I should go look up and watch. That sounds ridiculous. But he says, at one point, I was using beer cans for percussion on this movie. And I can just imagine him as like college age, you know, like 21, 22, and just like tapping cans together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny. Like, I remember, um, was it the soundtrack for Mr. Magorium's Wonder Emporium? Alexander Desplat. I, I could have swore there's like some part on there where it almost sounds like he recorded himself like tapping a, a soda can with like a pencil or something. Like, ding, 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 ding. Oh yeah. That would yeah, not surprise like, me. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. It's like, you know, hey, I ain't got a lot of money. Gotta gotta record something. Where my, where's my cans at? Innovation right there. So he's worked with James Cameron. He also has done the scores for four Marvel Cinematic Universe films mm-hmm. and he talks about how the way that he writes is he thinks of the movie, the film, like the, the visual as your partner, not the enemy. And the only way that he writes is with the picture. So he looks at the picture and the picture gives him something to write. So he thinks of it as a conversation back and forth where he has to see film and then he can come up with a tune or a melody and that's how he did Back to the Future, and that's how he did the Forrest Gump feather theme. And everything is just about seeing what's on the screen and then pulling something from that. Yeah, yeah he's, he's doing something right. Um, so he's 72 years old, and he just did the uh, live-action Pinocchio movie. The other thing that Mr. Silvestri is doing is a Back to the Future musical. And I have not really heard much about this, but it has good reviews. Like, people are really enjoying it. Hmm. Interesting. It's a bold move, right? Bold. So there's much more that we could talk about with Alan Silvestri. Uh, He's also, like, a great conductor. He conducted a 97-piece orchestra for Endgame. It says, when we rewatch Endgame, which scene should we specifically focus on in terms of the score? The portal scene after Captain America is basically defeated by Thanos. He's helpless, he's all alone, and then all of a sudden he hears his sound on the radio. Cap, on your left. And they just start bringing in every character in the history of Marvel coming to help Cap defeat the Batman. Joe and Anthony said to me, we've got to get this part right. Musically, we tried a number of different approaches in the spirit of getting it right, and what you see in the film, we all felt that that's what it needed to be. But it was a tremendous challenge and a lot of pressure. There was a new theme in the film that wasn't related to anything we had heard, and it had to be new because this was an event in the Marvel Universe. 
So he talks about how themes become assets and get passed between movies in the Avengers series, like with a big franchise. That was one of the things like that they had to nail was that that part where there's just like this this down and then they just bring everybody in. Yeah, I remember that was a, a pretty epic moment in the movie where like all of a sudden you just see like everyone coming back. It's like, oh, damn. Yeah. But it's the, going down. The, the music is what gets you there. Yeah. It's kind of hard to not tear up watching that. It's a little, it's very emotional. <laughs> you can thank Mr. Sylvester for that one. Thanks, Sylvester. You made me cry. Uh, and with that, we can move on to the recommendation section. So my recommendation for this week is a show called Gamora. Have you heard of this? No. So this is a uh, Italian show. It is set in Napoli, Italia, and it uh, is basically The Wire, but in Italy. So it's it's a lot of like drug dealing and. Uh, illicit activities by uh, gang and mafia and then the police and then family struggles and it's kind of like the Sopranos and the Wire but it's in Italian. This isn't a new show. The first season came out in 2014 and the last season was in 2021. So oh, okay. It's, it's, uh, it's been going a while but it's on Amazon Prime and um, HBO Max. Interesting. I gotta check that out. Sounds Sounds cool. It's really good. Yeah, I'm waiting for the new season of Bel Air. Bel Air. I don't know. I don't know if you've seen that. It's, no. I think this week it's coming out. Really good. It's way better than I thought it was going to be. What is it? I'm not. It's not Bel Air. It, it, it's oh, it's a reboot of uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. But dude, it's like if you've seen Fresh Prince of Bel Air and then you see this show, it's like a whole nother thing. It's like way more dramatic and serious, and oh. it's like it took that that. That one scene from when uh, when Will meets his dad and then his dad leaves, like yeah. that kind of like like where he actually you know got to show some of his acting chops, but yeah, it's just way way deeper and just like a lot of like pretty serious moments. It's really good, and yeah, season two is coming out, so I'm gonna be watching that. What's it on? Uh, Peacock. Okay, right on. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. Something I've been uh, binging lately is uh, this YouTube channel that our our art guy Spencer told me about called Nexpo. I remember I sent I sent you uh, I think I sent you one of the clips and you're like I am not watching an hour and eighty two minutes. Dude, that was like two and a half hours. So oh, okay, yeah, because like this this guy I, I think he used to be Nightmare Expo. It's like if you're into like stuff like that chapter or. Mr. Nightmare, or, uh-huh. you know, like those types of like crime, creepy stuff. Like he does these things called like disturbing things around the internet or uh, just different, um, different creepy things. Like, and he'll like put these little like compilations together, but it's, yeah, it's done really well. There's a, uh, yeah, I've just been like binging that. I was like watching that all weekend. What do you like about it? The whole, like the, the music, the score, the, the sound effects, how, uh, it, well, how like, it makes the, you feel? The way it's done is is really good. I okay. mean, it's very like like musically. A lot of it's just like like ambient sort of stuff sometimes. Yeah. But it the way it's done is cool. Like some of it, the way it's edited looks kind of like old, like seventies, eighties, like where like the like the VHS starts to break up. You know, right. that kind of like yeah. But uh, but yeah, some of the some of the stuff that that he covers is 
like it's creepy. Like there's this one that he was talking about called the Ash Vlogs. And I should send you that one. That one I think you can digest, but dude, it's like rabbit hole shit. Like okay. you want to go down rabbit holes, creepy rabbit holes. Yeah. It's uh it's pretty cool. That's your ticket, a one way ticket to creepy rabbit holes. Yep. Yeah, because uh it's funny because I I was telling him about this game called PT, which was actually Silent Hills. Oh, okay. And it was this like demo game that that they made but never uh it never actually ended up happening but it's yeah so i was talking to him about about that and then he told me about this channel he's like oh you'd probably like this and he was right and, and boy was she right showed my girlfriend and we were watching and we were just like oh my god this is so creepy but it's really cool uh i love that for you dude yeah i just i don't know just like to get, like to creep myself out i like to be inspired by how creeped out i am yeah, but yeah, there's there's some really interesting stuff, but yeah, I would recommend that. N-E-X-P-O, Nexpo. Nexpo, nice, nice. All right, well, if you've made it this far, thanks for listening. Make sure you're subscribed, check the button. Check out Ancient Greek Compendium. You will enjoy it. Yeah, you can get all three of them on intro. But on that note, all right, uh, you go watch some Nexpo <laughs> and you let me know how you feel afterward. All right, I'll uh, I'll be calling your phone in the middle of the night if I'm not sleeping though. You better not. I'll be asleep. All right, catch you <laughs> soon, my friend. Catch you on the flip, flippity, flippity flip. Peace. Peace. Make a make a scary next post sound. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs>